0: are perfect for where we're at today. Please take your Bible, open it up to Psalm 23. We're in a series called Summer Songs. We have been going through now for about six weeks a different Psalm every week. Last week, we were in Psalm 22. And with Psalm 22, we saw this song of a dying lamb who was crying out to his father in his darkest hours before he was ready to give his life. And now in Psalm 23, that dying lamb is is risen. And it's the risen lamb who is becoming becoming a good shepherd. And the good shepherd is leading his sheep through life's darkest valleys. So Psalm 23 is where we're at. And I know a lot of you already know this psalm. So I want to do something a little different this morning. If you have your Bible with you, I want to read it out loud as usual. But I would like you to join me. All right, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. So if you have that same translation, just read it along with me. Maybe you have it memorized. You can quote it along with me. But let's do this together with this beautiful, familiar psalm. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even if this is your very first time to ever walk into a church worship service, you've probably heard Psalm 23 at some point. Maybe you can hear Samuel L. Jackson quoting this psalm. You've seen it on TV. It's literally like woven into the fabric of our American culture. I I dare say some of you may even have it needle stitched into a pillow on your grandmother's sofa, okay? Psalm 23 is out there. It's well known. We all know it. But the question is, how well are you living it? Okay, that's what we want to see today. How many of us are living in the power and the promise of this ancient song of David? In this psalm, David has unparalleled satisfaction in his relationship with the good shepherd. Nothing rivals it. Absolutely nothing. So We all know this psalm, and you may believe that Jesus is the good shepherd who is personally involved in your life. But how many of you would say that you are actually feeling this, that he is shepherding you, that everything he's promised to do and to be for you, you are experiencing in your life? This psalm opens up with the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That literally means you have no other needs, All of your needs are being met. You're lacking nothing. Anyone experiencing that right now? (laughs) Lacking absolutely nothing? C.S. Lewis said that if you find within yourself a desire that no experience in this world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that you were made for another world. And what C.S. Lewis said philosophically and theologically David is going to be talking about personally in Psalm 23 this morning. And at times we all feel unsatisfied. As we walk through life, we take gut punches. We all have needs. But I want us to take this familiar psalm, personalize it to the point that you can taste unparalleled satisfaction that comes from a relationship with the good shepherd, That's where we're at today. If you want to just bump up the next couple slides, we have that C.S. Lewis quote. Um, This is the point of the message. Unparalleled satisfaction is found in relationship with the good shepherd. So point number one is going to come as we have three specific actions. Uh, To experience the promise and the power that David sings about. The first thing that you need to put into action, number 1 is you need to follow your shepherd. That's point number 1. This is for the first 3 verses. And David is a former shepherd. He's most likely writing this as a reflection towards the end of his life. And it's so like David, a king after God's own heart, who who had who had so many blessings, so many gifts. He made terrible, grave mistakes. He suffered the consequences of those mistakes. It's so like him to, to repent, to come back to God in relationship with him. Re- and, and here he is reversing the roles. He was a shepherd, and now he's saying, I'm the sheep. And a couple thoughts about this imagery. Sheep are helpless animals, and uh, left to themselves, they lack everything, right? Right? That, that's a sheep for you. They aren't very fast. They aren't very strong. They aren't very smart. Um, they depend on their shepherd to survive the wolves that are out there. And at the outset of, this, of these first three verses, we have uh, something here where a person who walks with their shepherd, they do not lack. And, and specifically, we see three quick things that they do not lack. They do not lack rest, right? You see that there? Verses one and two. You restore my soul so you will not lack life and worth and spiritual vitality. And then then you have guidance, so you're not going to lack guidance. We all want some of that, right? This sounds amazing. Secondly, there's another piece of imagery here is you can't miss the personal side of this relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, what we have here is a shepherd offering a relationship where he wants to make you do something. And the way most of us work is we don't usually want relationships where somebody makes us do something. As a matter of fact, that's why so many people have a hard time with, with a relationship with God or even a relationship in committing to a church. Um, you know, I have enough people telling me what need to, I need to do. I don't want to be accountable to someone else. I don't need one more person telling me what to do, right? Well, in this relationship with the Good Shepherd, he does make you do something. And what is it that he makes you do? Do you see it there in the text? Yeah. To lie down and rest in green pastures. He wants you to relax in the big open field with soft green grass and find rest for your weary soul. And still, at the same time, some of us are are threes. We want to get out there and we don't want to rest. We want to keep pushing and fighting and clawing to the top. Well, good luck with that, right? Because even if you are your own boss, it's still not gonna bring satisfaction. At your core, you are a sheep and you will always have someone or something holding you back, holding you down or stopping you from being satisfied, even if you reach the very top of the hill. And I realize this is not what we all want to hear, but usually when we hear... God wants to have a relationship with you. There's a couple things people think about. Many of us hear that and we think, yeah, all right, I'm awesome, and, and God wants to be my friend, so sure, I'll, I'll let him in. I'll, I'll accept that. But that's not how this is presented. The sheep are not fantastic at anything, they don't see great, they can fall, and they have no way of getting back up. They need leadership. And this entire psalm points to a shepherd, not the sheep, as being the giver and the sustainer and the provider. The kind of relationship that David is describing is not God coming to us because we have it all together, coming to us because we're hopeless in and of ourselves. That's what we have here. There's two extreme views that people have of themselves, and we can't have either one of these extreme views. They're, they're both very incorrect. There's this prideful tone that you can take where, all right, I'm God's gift to fill in the blank. And, and, uh, and then there's a second one, which is like, I'm worthless, I can't do anything right, great. I'm just, I'm just no good. There's that extreme. The truth is we all have a bad side, right? We all fail at times. Um, We all suck a little bit in in our worst, on our worst days. We do. But at the same time, even though we have a bad side, we are made in God's image. And we've been seeing this in the Psalms. And we are the pinnacle of his creation. And despite our faults, he loves us personally. And so when you understand the balance, it's very reassuring and it's very empowering because this isn't a casual, I'm here for you if you're good kind of relationship. And this isn't the do what I say because you're an idiot kind of relationship either. It's not either one of those extremes. This is a covenant relationship. He's your shepherd and that's an all caps Lord there. Do you see that in the text? And we talked about this back in Psalm two a few weeks ago. When you see the all caps Lord, it means Yahweh. And that's the covenant name for God. It's his personal name. Every time he uses that, it's in reference to a deep personal covenant relationship. A marriage is a covenant relationship, hence the bride is the church of Christ. But this is a relationship that is happening in spite of who you are and in spite of what you do. You can be faithless, and God is still going to be faithful to you. He's with you every step of the way. He will build you up and make you new. The best version of yourself is found in this relationship with Jesus. So he's not the shepherd of us generally. It's not just that. He's my shepherd, personally. We are going to see more of this next week when we look at Psalm 34, because we're going to Psalm 34 next week. But that song says, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. He is not sparing you anything that you need. So we have to realize stuff doesn't satisfy, even success doesn't satisfy forever. Only a relationship with your creator does. And the question we're answering today that you have to ask yourself is do I have this kind of relationship with my shepherd does your soul feel restored and rested the more you know your shepherd like this and walk with him the more you can experience soul satisfying joy and I love how it says he makes me lay down in green pastures It's the best grass, it's the best place. Most of us run around and we're so ragged and weary that we never feel like we have time to stop and catch our breath and just enjoy life. But if you can't do that voluntarily, he will make you. And sometimes it's because we aren't smart enough to stop and rest in the right places. But he wants to lead you beside the still waters on the right paths, the paths of righteousness. He's a shepherd who wants to guide you into the paths of peace. This is really good news. There's mighty raging river out there, waters that if you fall into those, they will take you far, far, far away from where you ever wanted to go. Eventually it leads to a cliff and there's a waterfall. But he's not gonna lead us there if we walk with him. He's gonna lead us beside the still waters. And this sounds great. Some of us are like, all right, I could really use this, David. Where is this in my life? (laughs) Here's the thing. He is shepherding you. But whether or not he's shepherding you and how well you are shepherded is honestly up to you. It's up to you. He's not going to force you to follow him. He never does that. I mean, he will pull in the strays. He, He does that. He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. But at some point, he's your shepherd and you're in the fold and then it's actually on you to walk with him or not. You have to make the decision to follow him. There's one more piece to this first point and we can get so fired up about all of this good news, about getting our soul restored that we just kind of glaze past this last phrase. He leads me in paths of righteousness for what? What does the text say? For his namesake. Can't miss that. The motivation behind God's care for you is for the reputation of his name, that he might be magnified and glorified. We know he loves us. Last week we saw Psalm 22. You know, we were the generation yet unborn that he had on his lips as he was being crucified. Amazing love for us. But it didn't end there. God is for you because he is for his glory. He's not after begrudging submission. That's not what this relationship looks like. You were created for his glory. And, that are, and there's rest and joy and peace. All of those things are found in walking with him for that purpose. It's the way your life will thrive and it's the way you will, will live to the max. But we can't just miss that it's not about you being fulfilled. This is bigger than even something like that. This is about his glory and his majesty. This is the reason you are valued. It's the reason you were created. You were made in his image for his glory. John Piper says very famously, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So let's not just get stoked about what he provides, so stoked about that that we're missing what's at the end of the rainbow. You get to walk with God and you get to do things for his namesake we get to be a part of something that is bigger than us now as we step into point two which is verse four the tense is going to change here notice in verses one through three it's he makes me he leads me he restores me it's all the all this he leads me and then in verse four it changes so let's look at that again even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So it's no longer you're doing this for me. Now it's for you are with me. Now it's, now it's different. So what's happened? Verse four is going into the valley, okay? And now, you don't, now that you're in the valley, you're done talking about God and you just want to be with God in the valley of verse four. So here's the second way that you experience the promise and the power of the unparalleled soul satisfaction that's found in Psalm 23. Point number two is alleviate fear in the valley. Sometimes paths of righteousness are not peaceful paths. And just like the weightlifter who knows you know, the way to get stronger is to tear down those muscles, to break them down, and then to have some protein and build them back up, and they'll come back stronger. Sometimes God will allow us to be broken down in order to build us back up into someone who is stronger. But to do that, he has to take us where we don't always want to go, the valley of the shadow of death. And no one wants to do that. We're not lining up for this one. But it's necessary. And it always leads us to a better place. So we have to brace ourselves because in this fallen world, it's not just an endless walk in green pastures by still waters. There are rough valleys in there as well. And this doesn't sound appealing. It's not fun, especially on the surface. But when you look at this and go deeper into this, you can fear no evil. And verse 4 tells us why. you can fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's not just leading us, he's also protecting us in verse 4. The shepherd's staff is a multi purpose tool, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? The, the classic image of the shepherd's staff. It's this nice long piece of wood with like the hook on the end. So you can use that staff to reach out and like pull out a sheep by, by their neck when they're in harm's way. You can rescue them that way. You can also flip that staff around and like use it as a rod to just beat off the wild animals, right? It's a, it's a multi-purpose tool. The good shepherd in this sense is like your personal bouncer who's, who's going to keep the bad people off of you it's not the greatest illustration ever but it's it's kind of true we don't have to worry he's he's not going to put you in a position where you're doomed to fail he's going to be right there with you with the rod of protection and this is how paul describes it in the new testament first corinthians 10:13 no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man so we're all experiencing the same types of temptations God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now again, don't miss this. He's not saying you won't feel evil because we're gonna feel evil in this present life, but he's saying you can fear no evil. Even though you're you're gonna feel it, you're gonna go through it from time to time, you don't need to fear it. Valleys are dark. They're the, the painful times of life. It's when you're in the middle of a trial. You know, maybe, maybe people have disappointed you. Maybe you've made a mistake and you're reeling from the, from the fallout of that poor decision. I've been there. And it really hurts when, when people don't trust you and the people like feel like they have to hold your hand to take you along somewhere. Uh, it's, it's brutal to have something come out of your mouth that's ugly and it reveals something about your heart that is harmful and hurtful to other people. Like, that's a terrible feeling, right? We go through valleys. We mess up. Sometimes these valleys are self-inflicted and we feel shame. There are times when we fail, we're human, and we wonder, do I have what it takes? You lose your job because of everything going on in the economy. Someone gets sick. Like, there, there are valleys that we're facing. Many of us in this room are currently in the valley. These valleys and unknowns are scary and they can be stifling. And these doubts and feelings of shame will turn into fear if you give them too much time in your mind because you're not in control of it. We go through valleys, but if we cling to God in the valley, he's going to prepare for us something better. He's going to build us back up, and your pain can become a platform for his namesake. Billy Graham said something about the valleys, which is really perfect for right here. Mountaintops are for views and inspirations, but fruit is grown in the valleys for every single one of us. Green pastures are sweeter after the valley. And honestly, you can't even really fully appreciate the the green pasture if you've never gone through the valley of the shadow of death. And a lot of times when we're in that valley, we think things that aren't true. And it's, it's a lie that God is for me only when I'm in the green pastures. It's a lie that he only cares for me when I'm beside the still waters. Because the truth is, he's there with you in the valley, and he has a purpose and a reason behind the valley too. The fear-inducing time when you don't have control is tough. But it's only brutal and fearful when you don't realize that you have someone who's there for you. To experience the power of this promise in Psalm 23, you have to trust that God is for you. That he is with you. And this is the way that you alleviate fear in the valleys of life. It's where you grow stronger and you learn to appreciate the green pastures. He's not going to lead you anywhere without being right there with you. So don't give in to fear. And now in verses 5 and 6, we are going to see the beauty that's on the other side of the valley. So look where this is going with, with me in the last two verses. There's something else that is awaiting us and it's point three. So verse five says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Number three is dine with your host. So we have this satisfying shepherd, this one who is with you, walking with you every step of the way. Now the satisfying shepherd is also becoming... The satisfying host. Not only is he a shepherd, he's also a host who is preparing you a table for two. That's what we have here. God doesn't just lead us to the valleys and that's it. He leads you through the valley of the shadow of death to a table. A table that he has prepared in the presence of your enemies. And I have to admit, this is not normally the way we would want to draw it up, right? We, 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 would, uh, we would just say, hey, how about I just get those enemies far, far away, put them in the rearview mirror, far back, so I can sit down and have this meal. Do you ever read the Bible with like the you translation? You know, it's what I mean by this is like you basically interpret it as, as how you want it to be. Uh, I, I, always, I, I slip into this sometimes. I think we all do. It's like, all right, I want my enemies destroyed. I just want, God, God can you just blow up what they're doing? And, and then you can build this table on top of their ash heap. And then you and I can sit down and we can laugh as, as we sit there. Now, no self-respecting Christian would ever say that out loud, but that's kind of what we feel sometimes in our flesh, right? That does sound diabolical. Um, and that's not what it says. And that's not real life. He's with you through the valley and he's preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. So who are your enemies? You know, obviously it could be someone who's stabbing you in the back. It could be a family member who's sowing ill will. It could be a physical diagnosis that is turning your life upside down. It could be an internal struggle, an addiction that you're trying to get victory over. Whatever that enemy is for you, God is for you in the valley and here he is saying i am preparing a table for two for you chaos is swirling all around but it doesn't matter because we can sit down at this table and i'm going to be your host in this day in the context of the middle east this would have been the most lavish thing that you could imagine putting out a banquet spread in the midst of an arid climate uh this is just incredible right and even though that's impressive, at the end of the day, it's not what's on the table. It's who's at the table with you. So when you're sitting down with the shepherd, it's not all these other things going on around you. It's the relationship that you have with him that matters. It's like you're at a dive restaurant. You know, the waitress is rude. The, the, there's annoying customers all around you. But it doesn't matter because who's sitting across from you. I've had these meals with Julie. Um, The place we were dining wasn't super spectacular. The ambiance wasn't great. You know, there were some annoying people around us that were being really loud, but we still had a great time and a wonderful conversation because we loved each other and we were enjoying each other's company. All the rest of that faded away. See, when the good shepherd invites you to this table for this dinner for two, he's inviting you into something that's, Different than a system. It's not a program. The Christian faith isn't just a pathway where you do your best and you hope for it all to work out in the end. No. Jesus has a table for two and he wants to have a relationship with you. The God of the universe, the Good Shepherd, is preparing a table to dine with you. Anointing your head with oil. This is the spa treatment. It's like you're at a luxury hotel. He's rolling out the red carpet. My cup overflows. This is abundance. It's grace upon grace upon grace. The blessings are overflowing. It's the grace that you could never add up. That's what we have here. Do you see how powerful the promise of Psalm 23 is? And at the same time, we take Psalm 23 and we just frame it and put it in the guest bathroom. And we just turn it into an afterthought. And we're not personalizing the promise that is here for all of us. Don't let this be an afterthought. Unparalleled satisfaction is found in a relationship with the good shepherd. And Jesus says in John 10, 10 through 11, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Here's the, th- here's the beautiful thing about this. Jesus is the good shepherd of Psalm 23. And it's not only the abundance that satisfies us. In verse 6, there's one more thing about the shepherd who becomes our host. And, th- and this is the pursuit that satisfies us. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. The word followed here in the original Hebrew is the idea of relentless, aggressive pursuit. And surely, goodness is just another way to say only goodness. Mercy, when you you get to the root of that word, it means steadfast love. His steadfast love and his mercy is relentlessly tracking you down. Just, Just think about that. You're in a ditch. He will find you. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, with that staff, with the hook on it, is coming after you with a tenacious pursuit. Instead of being pursued by the all right, they're at bay. The good shepherd is going to relentlessly pursue you with goodness and love and mercy. That's our good shepherd. But we are never going to experience this powerful promise of satisfaction, of lavish blessing, unless... We follow the shepherd and we let him shepherd us. You have to to follow the shepherd through the valley to get to the place where you can dine with the host. And so many people don't get that far. I love this image of of the host, okay? And, And so many of us in our church open up their homes all the time as hosts. We're pretty good at it. Like, do we have some room to grow? Of course we do. We always will. But there's so many of you, and Julie and I have even felt it recently, just people inviting us over into their home. I love it. It's great. And, I mean, Ben was talking about life groups. It's it's so true. It's like a running joke in some of the life groups, and you're probably going to never want to host a life group after I say this. But but you have people that will just stay, even after the food's gone and it's all over, and, and it's it's midnight, and people are still around the fire. It's just, I mean, we're family. We deal with it. It's all good. You know, People have, you know, they're just like, yeah, I'm I'm actually going to go to sleep. I got to go work in the morning. But you can hang out as long as you want. (laughs) Just shut the door when you're done. Don't worry, not every life group is like that. But at all times, I should say. But hey, here's the thing. We all have limitations to our hosting, right? At some point, we feel like, you know what? I'm tired, and this is turning into an overstay. And we'll work that out. But, But that's humans. But that's not the way the good shepherd is, this perfect host. He's not that way, right? What does it say? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This isn't just one meal and then it's over. This is an ongoing meal where he's hosting us and we will dwell in his house forever. We have limitations on how much we can host. He does not. It's the stay that doesn't end. It's not one meal. He wants you forever. We have a place at the table with your name on it. Your personal name is on it. You can just put your name right there in that little little sign right by your plate, okay? It's you. Just fill in your name there. If you want joy, if you want satisfaction, if you want peace, you have to find it in this relationship with the good shepherd that becomes the satisfying host. In John 3 through four, Jesus says this, he's talking about himself here, and this is before he had verses 10 through 11, but he says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Worship team, you can come up at this point. This entire psalm, orchestrates with incredible imagery how you can be led along a path of righteousness where you lack nothing. Literally, you shall not want. Walking alongside the still waters, having a soul that is rested and restored and filled, being led through the valley of the shadow of death to a table that is prepared with more than you ever deserved. The promise of this is so amazing. We can't just quote it and then move on with our lives. We need to live this. This song contains the most powerful promise you could ever imagine. Peace, joy, satisfaction, and they all come from a relationship. Unparalleled satisfaction is found in a relationship with the good shepherd. That's what this psalm is about. So are you living in the power of this promise? It comes down to whether or not you're following the shepherd. It's that simple. Most of us in this room believe the shepherd. You're in the fold. But you have to ask yourself, am I putting myself in the position to be shepherded? For some of us, we get hung up in the valley and we don't like the valley. We we want the green pasture. We used to have that. And because we're so focused on that from the past, we're missing the banquet table you're stuck in the valley and you haven't learned what you need to learn from that yet and you haven't moved on. You had it better at one time when you had the still waters and you keep looking back to that but you need to look forward to what's beyond the valley to what God promises. So quit looking back at what you're currently experiencing and have faith. Faith is unwavering hope and confidence and trust that God will do something that you can't even see yet. That's what you have to have in the valley. You have to have faith to look past that and beyond that to the table for two. For some of us, um, we've allowed other people to have a seat at the table. Okay, we get there, we're at the table. We're in the presence of our enemies, but in our pride, maybe in our comfort, maybe it's laziness, I don't know, apathy, we can give someone else a seat at the table. Remember, it's not what's on the table it suits at the table don't let anything come between you and your relationship with Jesus even if it's a good thing if it's crashing the table for two it's now an enemy okay if uh if you were on an anniversary special dinner and you're having a really nice steak okay i'm picturing this with with my wife and i picture picture yourself you're you're having this great meal and then Somebody from high school that you haven't seen in like 10, 15 years comes up and they just want to talk your ear off. You would figure out a way to nicely say, hey, thanks. Great to see you again, too. We should get together some other time. But right now, I'm going to enjoy this meal with the love of my wife, the love of my life. What a tongue twister that is. You would say that in a smooth way, right? Somehow. You wouldn't let them just crash and never leave. It's like this is a table for two and and you're not the love of my wife my life so so please either one so please get out of here we would never allow that to happen in real life but that's what happens sometimes spiritually speaking that's why so many of us feel like we're in want because you're not dining with the good shepherd who's also the ultimate host and to experience psalm 23 To know his voice, you have to hear it and you have to follow him. Some of us need to repent of our indifference. Some of us need to conquer our fears through Jesus Christ. Some of us need to take this psalm off the frame in the bathroom wall and we need to start owning the promise of it and living it and allowing the shepherd to shepherd us. Lift him high in the lowest valley so that you can say it and mean it from the depths of your soul. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's stand up and sing that. Sing about that and praise him right now.